You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sacks in the Basement's presentation of a White Sacks simulated season. My name is Chris Lanuti, and before we head out to Cleveland, to myself doing the broadcast, let's take a look at the opening series that the White Sacks had against the Royals and where the team sits at this very moment. And it's an interesting tale when you look at how players are doing right out of the gate. Aloy Jimenez, 300 average with a 1,200 slugging and an OPS of 16.17. That's 1.617. Tim Anderson's got an OPS of 1.083. Jose Abreu with the 1.311. All of them playing very well. Edwin Encarnacion has also done well early on. And Luis Robert playing well out of the gate. Jimenez is second in Major League Baseball with three home runs currently, trailing Rafael Devers, who already has four. But on the other side of the coin, Yoan Moncada in the two-hole has yet to reach base. Not a walk, not a hit, although he does have an RBI. Yasmani Grandal struggling with a 182 average. He will move to the designated hitter role today as James McCann gets the start. The White Sox also not seeing very much production out of second base early on in the season. Leury Garcia hitting 143, and Danny Mendek, who got the start yesterday, was an offer. Pitching-wise, it has been an up-and-down thing. Dallas Keuchel had a great game, too, but Lucas Giolito and Dylan Cease struggled early, and while the White Sox were able to overcome on opening day, Cease put his team down early, and they were unable to climb back yesterday, and that's why the White Sox sit at 2-1. Out of the bullpen, though, the story has been Jimmy Cordero, Aaron Bummer. If the White Sox bullpen continues to play the way they're playing right now, we're going to win a lot of ball games. Today's matchup, Gio Gonzalez finally pitches a game for the Chicago White Sox after a long major league career and after being traded away by the team twice. Aaron Savale stands on the mound for the 3-0 Indians. We head out to Progressive Field for game four of the season and game one of a three-game set for the White Sox and Indians. It is time for White Sox Simulated Baseball, brought to you by Cork and Carey at the Park. Now is the time to go on Grubhub and get yourself some cork and carry at the park. Pour yourself a beer and sit back and listen to a broadcast that will last no more likely than 90 minutes. It's White Sox, Indians, next on Socks in the Basement, found everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. Hey, this is Acoustic Mike from Broadcast Basement, and you're listening to Socks in the Basement with Chris and his buddy Dave. I did the broadcast basement with Chris for 10 years and nobody gave me a show. I'd leave if I had anything else to do with my life. Remember, the broadcast basement is available everywhere podcasts can be found and always at broadcastbasement.com. And welcome to Progressive Field as the 2-1 White Sox travel for the first time in 2020 to Cleveland to take on division rivals and currently the first place Cleveland Indians. Hello everybody, my name is Chris Lanuti. This broadcast 
Simulate on MLB The Show 20, brought to you by Cork and Carry at the park over at 33rd in Princeton. Currently not open, but they will be soon, and you want them to have the doors wide open and ready for you. Make sure you order something on Grubhub today from Cork and Carry at the park. Aaron Savelli takes the mound, a 2.34 earned run average last year with 10 starts. He was one of those pitchers called upon when there were so many injuries to that initial starting rotation that the Indians brought out, and he performed well as Tim Anderson steps in and we're ready for the first pitch of the game here from Cleveland, and the pitch on the way, and that is high but called a strike on a cut fastball, and this game is underway. First pitch at 6:10 Eastern time, and the pitch on the way. This one is swung on and put between first and second, rolling out to right field, and T.A. continues his early start that has been hot and stands on first base to lead off the game with a single. Little bit of an outside pitch, still catches the strike zone, right in his wheelhouse, and right away, Yuan Moncada steps up, still playing at third, still batting second. Ricky Renteria saying before the game that although Yuan has gone 0-4 for the first three games of the season, maybe getting away getting on the road with his friends and his family, really, which is his baseball team, will get his head a little right. And he didn't want to overreact and pull him out of any role that he thought he was ready for throughout all of spring training. And certainly, Juan earned it last year as that one is inside and he is 1-1. One one. He earned that last year with the performance that he put out, even collecting an MVP vote as that is thrown over the first base, checking Anderson back. 1-1 one one the count. Mancata stands in, the pitch on the way. That one is fouled off down the third baseline. One and two the count, the pitcher resets, and the pitch. Swung on and missed on a low 93 mile an hour sinker, and Mancata goes down with yet another strikeout early on in this season. Again, chasing something out of the zone, something that is not normally his way, but is something that has been happening here early on this year. As Jose Abreu steps in, with Anderson on first, and that one's low and outside for ball one. Abreu steps in, hitting 545 early on this season with three games under his belt. The runner goes, Anderson heading to second. The throw down, he is safe just underneath the tag. That was a close bang-bang tag right there. I don't know if the Indians will go to the review, but I'm looking at my review, and he gets in there on a head-first slide. That ball arrives right after his fingertips reach the bag, and it still took another second to get that glove back. He stands on second base, one and one the count with Abreu at the plate. The pitch on the way, swung on, line shot the first. It bounces off the ground, so it is not caught in the air. First baseman will tag first for the second out, and Anderson will advance 90 feet and stands on third with two outs. And Aloy Jimenez, already with three home runs on the season. He had a double as well. He hit well in that series. And he looks like the kind of guy that could bring 40 bombs out easy in the 2020 season, the way he started off. As that one is outside, misses the corner of the plate, 1-0. Two outs, Anderson on third base after a leadoff single. As I mentioned before, Savale, he was not part of the plan for last year in the rotation for the Indians. And had to step in when you see Clevenger get injured, Kluber go down. But in his 10 starts, pitched extremely well. And we always talk about on Socks in the Basement, how if you have a whip under 1.30, you're going to be an effective starting pitcher, and that's exactly what that young man did. And that's why he is in the rotation now as their third guy in the rotation. I'm sorry, fourth guy in the rotation and facing the White Sox today as a member of the regular rotation as that one's inside ball four. Jimenez will trot down to first base. First and third with two outs. 
James Fox from Future Sox will join us here in an inning or so when we get a moment to talk to him. And he's going to break down everything going on in Major League Baseball, including the deal between Major League Baseball teams as to when the season will actually start in the real world, the agreement on the MLB draft for this year, and what it means for now and for the future, and what you might see that's different this year in Major League Baseball if they get to play as Grandal smacks one into the right center field gap that's going to get over the head of the right fielder and bounce around. Anderson will score. Jimenez coming all the way around, play at the plate, and he is safe underneath the tag. And the White Sox have a 2-0 lead on a Yasmani Grandal two-run double off the right center field wall. He comes right up and smacks one. Jimenez and Anderson score. I don't know if Jimenez scores on that play, except it landed right where the wall met the warning track and stuck. It did not bounce back off the wall, as was expected by the outfielder, who then had to run out and get it as James McCann steps in today. He is the catcher. Grandal is the designated hitter. So Grandal is a DH, hits a double and scores two, and James McCann, the catcher today, is up at the plate, and he fouls this one down the third base line, and he is one and one. White Sox quickly scoring. This is the third time in four games they have put up multiple runs to start off a ball game. Four runs in the first inning on opening day, two runs in the first inning, game two against the Royals, two runs here against the Indians as they kick off this series. Crowd has uh, quieted down a little bit as the Sox have done some damage, but James McCann chases three straight pitches, and he is struck out. And that is not a uh, good start to his uh, time at the plate in 2020. But the White Sox get two on two hits, and the Indians are coming up. Gio Gonzalez, 17 starts last year with a 3-2 and two record, an ERA of 3.50, only over 87 innings. He had a whip of 1.29. But I think for White Sox fans, just amazing to see him up here in the bigs pitching a game for the team that originally drafted him, traded him, reacquired him, traded him, and never let him come up here and pitch. And now here he is at 34 years old, I believe is what his age is. And he's pitching to Cesar Hernandez of the Cleveland Indians. And this is his first pitch in the majors for the White Sox. And it's going to be a ground ball past a diving Anderson in the left field. And right away, the Indians have a base runner. You know, Gio, you don't want to prove Kenny Williams right. He traded you away twice. Let's lock down this inning and have a good game. Detroit over Kansas City already today, 7-2. to in the battle of two teams that will most likely be at the bottom of the standings in the AL Central. As that one's a strike high, but still for a strike. Baltimore-Boston, no score so far in that game. As Mercado steps in for the Indians, and he's quickly 2-0. No score Cincinnati-Toronto early on. Runner on first, no outs, 2-0 the count. The pitch. That one is sent out into the left center field gap, and that is going to bound to the wall. Indians have some speed on the base paths at second and third as Mercado hits a double. And Gio Gonzalez, with a two-run lead stake to him, gives up a single and a double to the first two batters he faces. And the Indians are in business. And neither one of those balls were anywhere near a player on the White Sox where they could have made a play. I know Anderson gave a good diving attempt on that first one, but that would have been incredible if he would have been able to pull that off. As Francisco Lindor in the three spot comes up to the plate. This young man, he went out and played his butt off in 2019 and so far here in 2020 he's got two home runs hitting 455 in the three spot over three games that one is low for a ball so at this point Gonzalez has thrown four balls and given up two hits over six pitches 
and he's got Lindor 2-0. The pitch. That one's fouled off for the first strike that Gonzalez has had, even though it was off a strike. Mercado on second. Hernandez on third for the Indians. No outs. The pitch on the way. That is a called strike. Ricky Holiday behind the plate. The umpire for today's game has a fashionable mustache. And he's showing it off here at Progressive Field as Gio Gonzalez with the pitch. And that one is grounded to Abreu. He will throw to Gonzalez, concede the runner. One run in, one out. Runner on second, advances 90 feet over to third. And is 2-1 to White Sox. The ball dragged Abreu towards second base. And he must have felt coming back home where a tag would have had to be applied was probably not the best idea in that situation. Your pitcher's been having a problem as Fermil Reyes steps in for the Indians. He was acquired in the offseason. If I'm not mistaken, spent some time with the San Diego Padres before coming over here in a deal. He's their four-hitter on this team. He couldn't find the field for half of last season. But the Indians have plans for him. 0-1 the count, the pitch on the way. Round ball over the head of Gonzalez, over second base, and we have a tie ball game on a just weak hit up the middle that somehow went over two gloves and finds its way. That's a seeing eye single if I ever saw one. Gonzalez threw his glove up. Leary Garcia had his glove out. Both of them miss it. Runner standing on first. We have a tie ball game here with one out. His pitch number 12 from Gonzalez is chopped to Abreu. Foul. Carlos Santana standing in right now. He's had a few hits this season. He's hit one home run so far in his opening series. And the pitch on the way. And that one is chopped to Mancado. Flips to second. Garcia around the horn. They go. Five to four to three. And the White Sox are out of the inning with some nifty defensive work by Yoan Mancada, who dives out towards third base and then throws from one leg across his body to Leary Garcia, who take, gets taken out at second base and still makes the throw to Abreu. And the White Sox are out of the first and move to the top of the second with Nomar Mazara coming to the plate. Mazara hit 268 with 19 home runs and 66 RBIs last season. Hitting 200 right now. He has two hits on the year with two RBIs. They're going to shift Mazara as we've seen other teams do so far. The Royals had the same shift on putting the shortstop directly behind second base and the third baseman over at short and moving the second baseman out in the short right field. He hits this one into the right center gap to the wall and that will hit off the wall. Mazara will trot into second. We got a softball game early here as after the White Sox score two and the Indians answer back, Nomar Mazara comes up and it's his first double of the year off the right center field wall. We got the fourth guy in the rotation for both of these teams. Cy Young ain't making an appearance today as Luis Roberts steps in with Mazara on second. And the pitch. That's a cut fastball fouled off down the first base line. Robert with a towering shot and several hits in the opening series. And this young man is expected to play for the White Sox for a long, long time. He also made an amazing play in the outfield in game three yesterday against the Royals where he went over the wall to bring back a home run. Unfortunately, the result ended up as the first loss for the Chicago White Sox. Mazzara with a lead, the pitch on the way, and that one's fouled off, and he is one and two. Cubs lead the Pirates right now six to nothing as the pitch is on the way, and that's inside two and two on a 94-mile-an-hour fastball. Mazzara doing a lot of motion out there at second base. The pitch on the way, and that's outside for ball three to Luis Robert. Leary Garcia, the second baseman for today's game, 
is on deck, and then we'll get back to the top of the order. The pitch. And that one is popped down the first baseline. Santana underneath it, and he will make the catch for the first out of the inning. So on a full count, Robert pops it along the first baseline, and he is the first out of the inning. And Leury Garcia, who had yesterday off until late in the game when he came in, steps in now. Again, starting at second base, has had three of the four starts at second with Danny Mendek getting one so far in this young season. He swings at a 93-mile-an-hour sinker out of the zone for strike one. The pitch on the way from Savali. That is outside on a cut fastball, one and one. I see Mazzara dancing over there, but he's not the kind of speed demon, at least when it comes to stolen bases, that you would expect to go second to third here. You'd be running yourself out of the possibility of getting a run, and especially with Tim Anderson on deck and the chances of a double play being slim to none here as it's one and two the count. Pitch number 31 on the way. And that is fouled off down the third base line will reset at one and two. Beautiful day out here. James Fox from Future Sox going to come on and talk about what's really going on in the world of Major League Baseball as the Baseball and the Players Association struck a deal. This one is down the line over first base, and that's going to get cut off before it gets to the corner. Garcia will hold because of how quickly the right fielder got over there, but Mazzaro will come around and score easily. And the White Sox regain the lead 3-2 to two on a ground ball down the first base line that hugged the line, went over the top of the bag, and rolled out to right field, but was so slow as it got out there on the grass, was able to be cut off. He's only able to get a single out of that one. As Tim Anderson steps in and takes ball one inside at the knees. Garcia with a lead. The Sox have stolen two bases so far this season. As this one is down the left field line over the head of the third baseman, it's going to rattle around the corner. Garcia and his horse in the third to throw in. He is safe underneath the tag. Anderson stayed at first on that play. I'm surprised he's not in the second, especially with the throw coming in the third. Somehow still standing on first base as the pitching coach will head out for the Indians to talk to Aaron Savale as there is one out and runners on first and third, and Yoan Mancata comes to the plate. Mancata still on the snide. You'd love to see him get his second RBI, but you'd love for it to come with a hit. Anderson leading at first. Garcia at third. Checks the runner, the pitch on the way. Anderson's running the second base. They're going to throw down. He is safe. Garcia remains at third, although he danced along the line and thought about going on a delayed steal from third to home. He does not. And now we're second and third, and that was a ball to Mancata. So he's 1-0 with one out here in the top of the second. Sacks aggressive on the base pass with two stolen bases so far in this game. And Mancata up there 2-0. and And feeling a little less pressure, I would think, now because a double play is not going to end this inning. Likely. It'd be hard for that to happen when you don't have a runner over on first base. But we've seen it happen before. 2-0 the count. Savale, pitch number 37 on the way. And that is a called strike at the knees. 2-1 2-1 and one on Yohan Mancata. The pitch. Checks it up. Called strike. 2-2 two and two the count. Mancata stands in there. You just want to see him make some contact and get something going here. That pitch is low and outside. He does not chase. 3-2. and two. It has been the thing that has happened to him early on this season where he checks up on a pitch that is actually in the zone that he thinks is going to tail away, and then he doesn't trust himself, and he strikes out on strike three. You can see the Indians have seen the tape on that and tried it there, but it didn't work. The pitch is outside for ball four, and the bases are loaded with Chicago White Sox in their road grays for Jose Abreu with Aloy Jimenez on deck and one out here in the top of the second and a 3-2 lead for the White Sox. 
and now would be the time that I would love to see Jose Abreu's first home run of the year. That would be special here at Progressive Field, for me at least. Although I know you have to listen to it at home. We are looking to eventually get you some video of some of these games. Stick tight with us. Don Paul, a guest later on in the week, is at first pitch as a strike. James Fox later on in this game from Future Sacks. As the next pitch is a cut fastball for a strike. Two strikes, both taken by Abreu. I don't know what he's looking for, but now you got to get the bat off the shoulders because you're 0-2 after taking strike one and strike two. The base is loaded. The pitch on the way. Man is low in the dirt, blocked. Almost got by. The catcher to the backstop. That would have brought in a run. They'll reset one and two. The pitch. Swung on and chopped foul off the rear end of the third base coach. And the next pitch is on the way. Check swing low. Did not go. Ball two. Two and two the count. Garcia on third, Anderson on second, Moncada on first. And Abreu at the plate, the pitch. And that one is chopped on the third base line, and that is foul. Very close to being a fair ball down the third base line there. They'll reset in the pitch. Swung on and popped in the right field, very shallow. Garcia's going to try for home. The play at the plate, and he is out. That is a bad send. That is a bad send right there. That was a shallow fly ball, and you have Aloy Jimenez standing there on the on-deck circle, and he's been red hot, and the White Sox run themselves out of the second inning with the bases loaded on a short pop-out to right field. He was out by 10 feet. Catcher caught it, got to stand up and tag him. As Jose Ramirez comes in, he's three for six lifetime against uh, Gio Gonzalez here in the bottom of the second. In the third inning, we are going to bring you James Fox from Future Sox to talk about what's going on in Major League Baseball. Players Association and MLB came up with basically benchmarks for if the season starts at different points this year and if the season does not happen and also worked out some details on how the draft is going to go. And I think James is going to explain to us not only the ramifications for this year, but what it's going to mean for the future of baseball. Because the owners have taken advantage of a situation here and positioned themselves well before the next collective bargaining agreement with this deal. 3-1 and one the count right now to Jose Ramirez, who's notoriously a slow starter. Last couple years, he started off hitting under the Mendoza line at 200 until he gets until about mid-May to June, and then he just starts lighting it up. And he gets the walk right there. Gonzalez has not been very effective but he has kept his pitch count reasonable into the bottom of the second inning. But he needs to start getting some, some guys out quickly and not waste a lot of pitches, which has been the problem for the White Sox starting rotation to this point. All three pitchers wasted a lot of pitches. The longest that anybody has gone this season out of the starting rotation through three games is Dallas Keuchel with six. The runner goes, the throw down from McCann. He is out at second base. Jose Ramirez out at second base as McCann throws from his knees on a stolen base attempt. So the Indians trying to take a page out of the White Sox book early. The Eric Garcia gets down that tag. McCann never leaves his knees. He throws that thing from his knees after taking a low pitch that brought him down to his knees. It was the only thing he could do. One and one the count now and one out. As that is fouled off down the third base line. And Gonzalez sets and the pitch on the way. And that is low and outside for ball two. 
79 mile an hour changeup. One out, Bob in a second, nobody on base. Gonzalez sets, and the pitch on the way. And that one is popped into right field. Garcia goes back. Mazzara comes up. He will make the easy catch. And there are two gone. Jordan Leplo, the right fielder, steps up for the Indians. As Gio Gonzalez goes into his wind with two outs in the pitch. And that is on the outside corner for strike one. Leplo one for five over his career with one strikeout against Gonzalez. Gio looking to make quick work of him and stay on track. He blew a two-run lead as that one is high for ball one. The White Sox got him another one back. Could have gotten more in the top of the second. But Garcia gunned down, trying to advance on a short fly ball to Luplo, who's up at the plate right now. And Luplo gunned him down with room to spare, trying to advance that run while Jimenez stood on deck. Three pitches, three strikes. Gonzalez gets him swinging on an inside fastball. And that ends the second. James Fox up next to join us. Sox lead 3-2 over the Indians. Joining me on the phone line right now as I sit here in progressive field for a White Sox simulated season brought to you by Cork and Carry at the park. Go on Grubhub right now and get yourself some tasty food and sit back and enjoy a game. James Fox is on the line. The man is like an expert when it comes to all things White Sox. He's been with Sox in the basement joining us for the last two years on and off. He's broken several contract signings and he's getting national recognition these days, and he joins us on the phone. How are you, James? How you doing? Good, sir. How are you? Thanks for having me. Major League Baseball has gone out and done an awful lot of negotiating with the Players Association to try to figure out every possible option for the season, and I've seen that they basically mapped out what if it starts at the end of May, what if it starts in June, what if we do 81 games, what if we have to cancel the whole thing, and they've had to come up with an agreement that's all in place, so these little like milestones it looks like are there. First off, what do you think is most likely to happen with the Major League Baseball season? Yeah, I mean, obviously all of us are, are just guessing, but I guess if I had to guess, I would say that we get some semblance of a baseball season, you know, maybe not till July. Um, but I, I would say probably 80, 81 games. As Jimenez crushes one into the gap, Leplo on his horse makes a play near the track on the run for out number one, Yasmani Grandel steps up. As you were saying, James. This will be their trial run for extended playoffs. That's like one of the things that's been floated, but I think it makes sense. Like if you take three division winners, four wild cards in each league, and look, there are the people that don't like that and think that that's watered down. But that's one of the ways for these owners to like make back some of the money that they're going to lose. So I, I think that's the most likely option. I just have no idea when they're actually going to get started obviously, like everybody else does. So, and, you know, they they just, like, negotiated their deal, and we can get into some of that if you want. There's, like, a lot of stuff in there. I know that with the draft, they've there's been some big stuff, and I know you've been critical of how that whole thing went down. So what exactly happened with the upcoming Major League Baseball draft, and why is it so bad? Right away it was leaked that the owners were considering not having a draft at all which would have been absolutely absurd. I mean, it's like the lifeblood of an organization. But, you know, it's known that owners don't like paying for it because some of them are so short-sighted that they don't understand the benefits of it. I mean, you're paying $10 million for a 40-round draft, and you might have $100 million in surplus value, you know, gained. So, Swung on, charged in the center. Nice play by the center fielder, picking up off his shoestrings for the second out of the inning. 
And up comes James McCann. You know, they want to cut money wherever they can. And it seems like what's ultimately going to happen here is it's probably going to be a 10-round draft this year, but they're going to use that as their basis to move it from 40 to 20 rounds the next few years. And one of the, you know, the factors in that, too, would be they can get rid of minor league affiliates, which has been Rob Manfred's plan this whole time. I mean, there's, there's already 42 minor league affiliates on the chopping block. That's probably going to happen for sure. Now, the one thing about this that's a little bit weird is, you know, this was pitched as like a way for owners to save money while revenues aren't coming in. But then it's also been reported that they're going to use the same bonus pools from last year. So just using the White Sox as an example, if it's a five-round draft with bonus pools from last year, they still have $7 million, $700,000 um, to spend on the draft. If it's 10 rounds, it's over $8 million. Like, that doesn't really save these guys a ton of money. What it does is, though, they're, they're significantly deferring the bonuses for these kids. So every player that's drafted gets $100,000 this year. So that costs the owners, what, like a million dollars this year for a draft with the other 90% deferred. So the favorite to go number one overall whenever the draft is is first baseman Spencer, Spencer Torkelson from California. He's probably going to get about $8 million. Okay, think about that. He's going to get $100,000, and then he's going to get $4 million at some point next year and $4 million the year after. Like, he's still getting the money, so it's fine. But, you know, that's like one of the ways that these owners are saving money. But, you know, wiping out the minor leagues and suppressing salaries even further is the real end game here in all this. McCann chaps with a short, quick throw by Lindor in the dirt and scooped. And the White Sox are down one, two, three in the top of the third. James Fox, hang out with me for a few more minutes here. We'll talk to you in the bottom half of the third. Perez, Hernandez, Mercado are coming up with the Sox leading three to two. James Fox from Future Sox on here talking about what's going on in the world of Major League Baseball as Roberto Perez, the catcher for the Indians, steps up to the plate. Even though he's not getting a lot in the first year, the first-round draft pick will eventually get everything that he would have gotten. That's right? Yeah, for sure. So, like, those guys are fine. And the guys that, like, are, are definitely going for, like, your top high school players, your top players that are college juniors, it won't affect those guys at all. Now, who it really hurt, and, and, you know, the NCAA is making a decision tomorrow as far as eligibility is concerned. And a lot of people are talking about seniors. This doesn't really even affect seniors at all. Seniors don't really have any leverage as it is. Now, the one issue there is undrafted free agents and day three players of the draft could make up to $125,000 before. Now that's capped at $20,000. So, look, seniors anyway, the White Sox took a bunch of seniors last year and paid them $10,000 a piece. So, you know, like most of these guys will still just like sign. They want to be pro baseball players. They end up being organizational filler for the most part anyway. Like $20,000 is fine. Now, the guys that it really affects are the high school players that aren't the top guys because now they're forced to either like take less, like a lot less money to play pro baseball or go to college while, you know, the roster is probably going to be increased there. And college juniors who you know, might not be top three or four round selections. I mean, you're looking at guys now, if this draft ends up being five rounds, 
and you're a college junior, you could either go back to school next year and be a senior and have no leverage, or some team might call and offer you like $100,000 to sign, and you're going to have to take it because your other option is to sign for 20k undrafted or go back to campus as a senior when you you know when you probably you know you won't have any leverage to get any more than that next. So those are the college juniors, and then a lot of the guys in the high school class are the guys that are hurt the most by that. As this one is skied into the right field gap, drifting back over to right where Mazzaro's at the wall, and he will watch it go over. The nine hitter in the lineup, Perez, the catcher. It's a solo shot off of Gio Gonzalez, and we have a tie ball game here at Progressive Field. The Indians tie it up with the White Sox, still no outs in the third on a solo shot. The lineup flips over. Cesar Hernandez will come up to the plate. He got a hold of that one and pops it out there, 404 feet. It went out into the gap, and then the wind, which seems to be blowing left to right across the field, dragged it back over Mazzara, but it still seemed to push it out into that second row. And the very first pitch from Gonzalez is a base hit that lands in front of Luis Robert. So still no outs, runner on first, and the game is tied here in the bottom of the third. James, let's continue. So is it safe to say, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but is it safe to say that Major League Baseball seems to have used what's going on right now in the world to their advantage to be able to push to lessen the amount of Major League Baseball teams and gain more leverage over draft picks where they can end up paying them less? Oh, 100%. Don't don't let a crisis go by the wayside, right? That's like the old uh, political adage there that's just kind of like, you know, in, in crisis, make sure you can get stuff done. And that's that's exactly what they did. I mean, so what other things do you think that if they do a shortened season and they go, let's say, 81 games, and we don't know if that's for sure or not, what other things do you think that Rob Manfred and the owners will put into place? Are we going to see other rule changes because they're going to say, well, we have to do this? Uh, I've heard things floated like, well, what if we add a bunch of double headers so we can get the games in, but then we're going to add in this whole thing where once you get to the 10th inning, there's a runner that's starting on second base. Like All these little rule changes have been batted about. You could see Major League Baseball use this to justify it and introduce it to the fans and then just keep it in place later on down the line, right? Yeah, so I don't know how much stuff he's going to put in place for this year. I definitely think you're going to have expanded rosters, which would actually, for the fans, would actually be a good thing. Like, I think in White Sox camp, we were debating who the 26th man was going to be, and I made a joke the other day that said Yerman Mercedes for 29th man, because, like, <laughs> you know, like, the report came out that they might keep, like, 28 guys now, because they're, they're, whenever they get, you know, back to their minor league facilities or their spring training facilities, like they're probably only going to take like 14 days to three weeks to like get ready. So they'll probably expand the rosters. I, I really don't know like what else they'll try to stick in there. The one thing I did say was like the expanded playoffs. I think that's, I think that's coming probably. Um, that's one way, you know, where that's like your trial run for it basically. And I do think, you know, we, we might get, some sort of like neutral site um, World Series, just because like if they're gonna play, and apparently the the players have agreed to play like into November, so you know what I mean. Like if that's two cold weather cities, like that thing's getting moved. I mean, I think that's common sense. Ground ball to Garcia puts the tag on the runner, flips the first, and that is a double play. James Fox on the line, and we're gonna we're gonna wrap this thing up here, James. 
That was a great play there by Leary Garcia, and then getting it over there, he, he scoops it, he makes the tag at the runner running by him, who can't avoid him, and gets that thing over the first place for the double play. Two outs to Lindor as he takes the first pitch inside for a ball. As that is skied into center field, Luis Robert underneath it. My thanks to James Fox from Future Sox as Robert puts it away. 3-3, and the bottom of the third is over. We head to the top of the fourth. You're listening to White Sox Simulated Baseball from Sox in the Basement. Interesting conversation with James Fox there in the third inning. Unfortunately, during the conversation, the White Sox give up a run. It is now 3-3 going into the top of the fourth inning. And Nomar Mazara steps up to the plate. That shift that we've been talking about the teams are using on him is on. He beat it last time up with a double. And he stands up there now 0-1. Next pitch is high and inside for ball one. Mazzara takes the next one outside for ball two. Fourth inning, Savale has struggled. 62 pitches thrown so far as he's facing his first batter of the fourth inning. At this rate, he will not last long as this one is fouled down the first baseline into the crowd out by the right fielder. The pitch, low and outside, ball three, full count to Nomar Mazzara as Luis Robert stands on deck. No score early right now, Yankees and Rays. Houston and Oakland later on today. As that is swung on on a low pitch down at his feet and missed for strike three. Mazzara chases junk on a 3-2 count against a tired pitcher and he will grab some bench. One out in this inning. Luis Roberts steps up to the plate and Luis takes the first one on the inside corner and a cut fastball 89 miles an hour for strike one. Popped out in the second inning. He looked a little frustrated after that bat. I think he felt like he had gotten good contact and in the end it was not. The Marlins leading the Nationals 3-0 early on in their game. Roaz, 2-for-3 with a home run already. Phillies over the Mets right now, 1-0 on a Segura home run. That game in the fourth inning. Pitch on the way. And that is a high strike, 2-2 two two the count to Robert as Aaron Savale gets ready for his 70th pitch of the game here in the top of the fourth inning with one out. Sox have to continue to work this pitcher and scrape some runs together. As this one is flared out into right field, it'll land near the foul line, but there's a guy underneath it as Ludlow puts it away for the Indians, and there's two down, and Leary Garcia comes up. One for one with a single and a ribby here in the top of the fourth inning with two outs. That's a low fastball that he grounds the first. He's going to try to beat the pitcher to the bag. He does not. It was close, but it's the third out, and the Sox go down 1-2-3 for the second straight inning. Mid-fourth, 3-3. Sox Indians. Framil Reyes, the designated hitter, one for one in this game with a single and an RBI, will lead off the inning for the Indians as Gonzalez brings the pitch to the plate. Inside corner, fastball, 91 miles an hour for strike one. And Gonzalez sets and brings it again. That is low for ball one. Folks, I want to tell you a little bit about Family Waterproofing Solutions, one of the proud advertisers here on Sox in the Basement. They heard about the simulated season. They said, we're in. And they're doing it even though they're not actually out doing any work right now on basement waterproofing and some pumps and fixing the problems that you have in the most important part of your house, your foundation. And they're doing that because even though they were designated an essential service, they're doing their part and paying their employees to stay home and giving them full health care as they do as this one is flied out deep to Mazzara, makes an over-the-shoulder catch for out number one. And Carlos Santana, the first baseman, steps into the plate with one out in the bottom of the fourth. Ken's a U.S. Marine. I went over to this man's office. We sat separated by a great distance just a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about this before things got even more restricted. And the ribbons 
and the things he has up on his wall. That man not only served, but he served, I'll tell you that. And he and his wife own the business, which makes it a veteran-owned business and a female-owned business. And they told their employees, stay at home. We're going to video conference with any potential customers so that we can diagnose and figure out what we can do and give estimates so that when, and as he said it, when we can put boots on the ground again, we're ready to go to serve you. So if you've been sitting around, and you're, I know a lot of people are in their house, they're noticing things that need to get done because you have a lot more time on your hands. As it's three and two right now, Jose Ramirez on deck, one out in the bottom of the fourth. Gio Gonzalez about to bring pitch number 47. He's done well on his pitch count today. The pitch on the way. And that is low, ball four. There's a 2-2 count. He threw two of them outside. Well, one outside, one low, and Santana standing on first base next to Jose Abreu. And Jose Ramirez now steps up to the plate. He walked and was thrown out from James McCann's knees the first time he was up when he tried to steal second base. The pitch from Gonzalez, and that's flared off down the first base line. So you're going to hear coming up here at the end of this inning, the end of this half inning, details on how you can reach out to Ken and Maria. Because right now all I'm doing in my basement is this one is flared out in the right. It's going to fall in, but the runner was not going. Santana is out on the force at second base. He hesitated as it was flared out because he thought Mazzara or Garcia would get to it. And when they didn't, he was hung out in no man's land as it dropped in between the two of them and bounced in the Mazzara's glove. He doesn't even have to put that much on it. He flips it over to Tim Anderson, who's standing there, Johnny, on the spot, and they will force out at second base Carlos Santana for the second out of the inning. And Ramirez stands on first. And remember, he went last time as Domingo Santana, the left fielder, steps in. Will he try to steal second again? He's dancing down at first base trying to get Gonzalez's attention. I'm surprised when runners think they can steal off a left-handed pitcher. As this one is flared out in the center field, and that's a can of corn for Luis Robert. The White Sox are through the bottom of the fourth. We go to the top of the fifth, the top of the order. Coming up, Anderson, Mancata, Abreu tied up 3-3 in Cleveland. Foundation issues not properly handled can be costly. Family Waterproofing Solutions is owned by Ken, a veteran of the United States Marines, and his wife Maria, making them a veteran-owned business and a female-owned business that will diagnose and repair wet or leaky basements. During the current health crisis, Ken and Maria decided to pay each and every one of their workers, secure their jobs, and continue to give them health care from home. And while they're not currently going out and doing jobs, they will still give you an estimate and jump on and do a video consultation right now. Plus, part of the proceeds for every job that they do are donated to veteran and first responder organizations who support our frontline defenders. And currently, Socks in the Basement listeners have access to special pricing when they contact Family Waterproofing Solutions now, 708-330-4466, or visit them today at FamilyBasementWaterproofing.com. Tim Anderson is two for two. He's got two singles and a run scored. The man hit 335 and got the batting championship last year, and he is off to a hot start in 2020 as well in the leadoff spot for the Chicago White Sox. I was one of the first people to say I didn't like the idea of Anderson in the leadoff spot is Adam Plutko is now warming up the right-hander in the Indians' bullpen in case Zavalli can't make it through the fifth inning. 1-0 the count to Tim Anderson. And the pitch is a called strike down the middle of the plate on an 87-mile-an-hour cut fastball that Anderson could not pull the trigger on. Pitch number 74 here from Savali. Then is low and off the foot of his catcher. He will reset. T.A. hitting the ball early on here, and I was one of the first people who said... 
Nuh-uh, not the leadoff spot as he swings through a sinker for strike two, two and two the count. But he has proven me wrong, at least early on, as he's looked sharp up there. And that one is chopped back off the backstop, and they'll reset two and two to Anderson and the pitch. And that is a ground ball third base. Ramirez pulled towards the bag. Long throw from the foul line to the other foul line. And he will get Anderson by a half a step. And that's the first out of the inning. And Yohan Moncada steps in. He's got a walk and he's got an RBI. And those are the only positive stats he has now through three and a half games as he tries to get off the snide. And that one is flared down the left field line into the stands. A couple sections short of the foul pole for a long strike. The next pitch is inside, call the ball one and one. Now here's a guy I thought would be great in the two spot, and early on, I'm being proven wrong again. It's funny, on my own baseball simulation, how wrong I am. Is that one is chopped the second base, easy play, four to three, and Moncada's out yet again on pitch number 80 from the Indian starter. Two outs and Jose Abreu steps up, hitting 462 on this young season, 0 for two so far in this game. It's very different from what I thought last year. Last year, I was like, Mancata going to be a star. And he was. And I know we're early in the season, but he's starting to make me nervous. First pitch of ball, second pitch flared in the right field for a base hit. And Jose Abreu is on with two outs. The veteran, he goes up there and approaches it the same way every, every time. It's Aloy Jimenez steps in there with a runner on base. A couple innings ago, Aloy was standing on the on-deck circle as he takes a strike there with the bases loaded and one out. And that was a shallow fly ball to right field. And you got to question the decision to send Leary Garcia home because he was out by so much. With one of the hottest hitters in baseball, not just on the White Sox, in baseball, standing in the on-deck circle as your four-hitter in Aloy Jimenez. He's quickly 0-2, though, here. Savale tries to finish the fifth inning. The pitch on the way. Low, ball one on a 93-mile-an-hour fastball that just started to die as it was coming in. Abreu with a slight lead of first base. Jimenez sets the pitch. Low, ball two. Good eye there by Jimenez. Very pretty, partly cloudy day out here at Progressive Field, but cold. A lot of people in uh, warm weather gear. It looks pretty, but the wind is whipping left to right. This one is low and outside on a cut fastball, and he comes back from 0-2 to a full count with Yasmani Grandal standing in the on-deck circle and a 3-3 tie with two outs in the top of the fifth. The pitch on the way. Swung on and sent down the third baseline foul over the ball boy in the outfield area and they'll reset. Pitch number 89 here in the top of the fifth inning on the way. And that's outside for ball four. Jimenez will take his base. He has two walks on the day today. And now there are two on. After Savale had gotten through the first two batters, he gives up a base hit to Abreu, and then after going 0-2 on Jimenez, walks him on the next four pitches, and Yasmani Grandel steps up with a double already in this game. He's DHing to give his knees a rest. McCann is catching. He's the DH in the five spot, and he swings through a sinker to tail the way for strike number one. Fans trying to egg on their pitcher. The pitch on the way, and that one is popped up into dead center field, and that is out number three. Midway through the fifth, we're still tied at three. There was a lot of offense early on, but now Luplo, Perez, and then Hernandez at the top of the order for the Indians will have to be held down yet another inning by Gio Gonzalez as Jordan Luplo steps up to the plate. 0 for 1 with a strikeout in the second inning. Gio Gonzalez, 50 pitches through four innings. 
He has done a good job of, uh, he's a veteran. He's done a good job of conserving his pitches. The pitch, two pitches, two balls, he's 2-0, and oh, and both of them missed badly. The second one almost sent the batter to uh, first base on a hit-by-pitch. The next one is outside, but he chased and chopped it down the first base line, 2-1. and one. He did Gonzalez a favor there as he's in the windup and the pitch on the way. And that one's high for ball three. Four pitches, he has not found the zone, and he's looked bad. The batter did him a favor on pitch number three, and that's why it's 3-1 and one the count. As Gonzalez into the wind with the pitch. And that is a strike, swinging. Three and two the count. Gio Gonzalez trying to give his team a chance to get some runs and get this win in a tie ball game. Walks him on an inside pitch. And you can't glare at anybody there, Gio, because every one of those that was called a ball was clearly a ball by at least a foot and a half. Roberto Perez steps up. He had a solo home run off of Gonzalez. Only his second hit of the season to this date. And now... He's got to run around first. And Gonzalez stares in. And the pitch. And that is a strike on an 81 mile an hour changeup that Perez wishes he would throw him again. Because you could tell he regretted not jacking that one out as well. Gonzalez sets in the pitch. That's high on a four seam fastball, 91 miles an hour, called the ball, one and one the count. The Marlins up now 7 0 on the Washington Nationals, taking it to him. The pitch on the way, swung through a changeup. He was looking fastball. He was way out in front of that one, one and two the count. Gonzalez going changeup, fastball, changeup. Will this be a fastball? Perez is going to guess. And that one's high on a two-seam fastball. He has thrown the same pitch on pitch one that he threw on pitch three, the same pitch on pitch two that he threw on pitch four in the same location. He pitches pitch number five, and that is a changeup in the exact same spot. It was as if he was playing a video game. He throws a changeup low in the strike zone for a strike. He throws a high fastball. He throws a changeup low in the strike zone for a strike. He throws a high fastball. And then he throws a changeup low in the zone for a strike. And Perez just watches it sail by at 80 miles an hour. And he's out number one. But the top of the order up now with Cesar Hernandez, the pitch from Gonzalez. And then is fouled off down the first baseline. He did not throw him a changeup there. Because everybody in the ballpark would be expecting that. And that's probably why Hernandez was behind on that pitch and fouls it down the first baseline. Owen won the count, 3-3 score, bottom of the fifth, one out, the pitch. In the dirt, blocked by McCann, now it gets away, the runner on his way to second, the throw, and he is safe. He was not planning on stealing. Ball gets away, it's gonna be called a wild pitch. McCann got up, got to the ball. Runner went when he saw it roll away from him. At first it looked like he had trapped it under his body, but instead it rolled just outside the dirt in the batter's circle at home plate towards the first base side and Luplo gets the second a hair before the throw comes from McCann on his delayed steal after the wild pitch inside changeup though on the very next pitch sends Hernandez back to the dugout strike three as he swings through a bad pitch he got fooled he did one of those protective swings where you're backing away from it because you know it's going to hit you and he kept swinging and he is the second out of the inning for the Indians so runner on second because of the wild pitch two outs Mercado to the plate. 3-3 tie in the bottom of the fifth. It's a borderline call, but it's going to go for a ball on the changeup. Lower outside part of the plate, 1-0 the count. Oscar Mercado, 1-2 with a double and a run scored in the first inning. Pitch number 66 on the way here in the bottom of the fifth inning as Gonzalez has had to work. And that is swung on and missed on a 79-mile-an-hour inside changeup at the knees. 1-1 the count, the pitch on the way. 
Swung on and belted, and great play by Abreu. It skips off the base. He's on his knees. He throws his glove up over his head, and no seams grabs that ball. I don't even think that was instinct right there. And they're out of the inning as he tags first. 3-3 after 5. Adam Plutko will come in for the Indians now for the top of the sixth inning in a 3-3 tie after the White Sox get lucky because if that gets over Abreu's head, that runner scores from second base with two outs and the Indians would have the lead. James McCann catching today and hitting in the sixth spot. 0 for 2 with a strikeout and a ground out. Hit 273 last year with 18 home runs and 60 RBIs but did most of his damage in the first half of the season and went from being an all-star to not only a guy who's splitting time, but really a backup at the catcher position. And I'm sure Ricky Renteria wants to keep him fresh and in the lineup, but it can't be a good thing for his morale to go from the role that he had etched out for himself in the first few months of 2019 to the role he has now. As that first pitch is a ball and the second pitch is flared into right center field, it'll fall in front of the center fielder cutting over, and McCann is his first hit of the year, and he stands on first base here in the top of the sixth, with no outs. Boston leading Baltimore one to nothing right now, midway through their contest, as Nomar Mazara steps up to the plate. The pitch, low, called the strike at the knees. Cincinnati was trailing Toronto six to nothing and has come roaring back late in that game, now trailing by two, six four in Toronto. McCann at first, three three to score, Owen won the count, no outs. The pitch from Plutko, chopped the third base, this could be two, five to four to three, and that's a double play. The bases are cleared now, and there's two outs after Mazzara hits into a double play to Jose Ramirez. It seemed like he was trying to pull it to right, and they have had on a shift for him when nobody's on. If the shift would have been on, that's a base hit or even a double. But instead, with the shift off for the first time in a while, they take the shift off, and he hits it down the third baseline. That's just bad luck. Luis Roberts steps in with two outs and nobody on base. 3-3 tie game, top of the sixth. Adam Plutko would like to make quick work of him. The pitch. Change up 79 miles an hour. Call the strike. The pitch on the way. Low. Slider. Ball one. One and one to count. Leary Garcia on deck and then it would be Tim Anderson if Robert can get something going here with two outs. The pitch. Low outside. Caught the corner of the plate. One and two the count. I don't think Robert liked that call but he's got to get back in there and work with what he's got. That one is way outside. Ball two taken. Two and two the count. Gonzalez looks like he's coming out in the sixth inning, and I think he should with the amount of pitches that he's thrown. Like I said, he hasn't been Cy Young out there, but he's been effective, and if he can get through the sixth with only three runs given up, it's a quality start. And that's what you want from your fourth and fifth starters in the rotation at a minimum. That one is fouled down the line. Lupko giving chase, dives for it, and it skips off his glove, so Robert on a long strike will get another attempt. Two, two the count, and the pitch on the way. Swung on and missed on a high 91-mile-an-hour fastball in the zone. Robert goes down swinging. We are midway through the sixth. 3-3, Sox-Indians. Francisco Lindor 0-for-2 in this game, and he will lead off the bottom of the sixth inning for the Cleveland Indians. He's got a fly out and a ground out, but he did get an RBI for his team. And that's why we're sitting here 3-3. Gio Gonzalez sets and pitches. That's inside. Almost hit Lindor, who's 2-for-8 against Gonzalez in his career. Ball one. Gonzalez sets the pitch on the way. That is low for ball two. If Gio Gonzalez gives you a good inning here and you get out of it 3-3 with your four starter, as that one's fouled off 2-1 the count, and he gives you a quality start, you could feel okay. 
he really only got in trouble once. And after he got in trouble in the first inning, he's pitched really well with the exception of a home run that just cleared the wall. He's gotten out of tough jams. He's looked bad against one batter, but then bounced back immediately. As the count goes full on a foul ball by Lindor, 3-2 the count, bottom of the sixth, no outs, 3-3 score. Inside changeup fouled off down the third baseline and will reset. So this is what you wanted from a Gio Gonzalez at minimum, and I think you'd be happy. This one is flared out into left field to the wall in foul territory and catches it right in front of the 3-325 mark that's in foul territory on the wall here next to the pole. He had his back up against it. He catches that in foul territory for the first out, and Fran Mill Reyes steps up and takes the first pitch low for ball one. One out here in the bottom of the sixth. Early on, it looked like it was going to be a softball game. Then both pitchers settled down and have gotten out of a few little jams here and there. White Sox had a golden opportunity early on in this game with the bases loaded with one out and made a base running mistake that could cost them dearly if they can't get any more runs in this game. Carlos Santana stands on deck and it's 3-0. Gonzalez seemingly pitching around Reyes. But there, he throws a four-seam fastball 90 miles an hour right down the middle and he was taken all the way, 3-1 the count. Gonzalez into the wind in the pitch, inside ball four, and he walks him on five pitches. He will pitch his 80th pitch when he tosses his first one here to Carlos Santana, who's 0-1 with a walk in the fourth inning. He had 281 last year and is in the five spot right now in this order, which is surprising to me. But that's how the Indians have put their lineup together this year. Low and outside, ball one to Santana. Gonzalez sets in the pitch, and he's outside, and that's checked up ball two, and they are reaching over to the phone in the dugout to get somebody warmed up for the Chicago White Sox. Gonzalez sets in the pitch on the way. That's low for ball three. Jose Ramirez is on deck, and seven of the last eight pitches pitched by Gio Gonzalez have gone for a ball. Steve Shishek and Jace Fry. Double barrel action out in the bullpen on the 3-3 tie in the bottom of the sixth. That one's low for ball four. He walked him on four pitches. So Gio Gonzalez, I've been sitting here singing his praises. He's looked solid and kept his pitch count down. He got an out, and now he's walked two. And this one is fouled off by Jose Ramirez deep down the third base line. He normally has a slow start. You hope that holds true right here with two on and one out. First and second, Gonzalez to Ramirez. High ball one, one and one. Ciszek and Fry are still probably a few uh, pitches away here from even being ready. Gonzalez has to face these guys and get through this inning. The pitch. That's fouled off down the first baseline, one and two. Reyes at second. Santana at first. The pitch to Ramirez. Low in the dirt. He swung at it and tipped it. They're going to say he tipped that. Looked like it was strike three. It went off the bat. One and two the count, though, reset. The pitch on the way. And that is strike three on the outside part of the plate. Letter high. Ramirez does not like the call. Says something to the umpire on the way back. But he's going to take a seat. And the White Sox now are one out away from getting out of this inning with two on. Gio Gonzalez now up on the mound. The pitch on the way to Domingo Santana. And that's strike one. He's 0 for 2, two flyouts. They're banging the drum here at Progressive Field. Gio Gonzalez, it's gut check time, the pitch. That's a strike, 0 and 2. McCann is calling for it, and he's putting it there. They are playing catch right now. As James McCann tries to work his starting pitcher through the end here of the sixth inning. 0-2 count, runners lead, the pitch. Swung on and fouled back 
That probably would have been a strike if he didn't get his bat on it and gotten him out of the inning. 0-2 count. Pitch on the way. Low. Change up. Ball one. One and two the count. Gonzalez sets. He brings it. Swung on and missed. Low fastball out of the strike zone. He chased it. Gio Gonzalez pumps his fist. The White Sox get out of a threatening inning and will go to the top of the seventh. Tied up at three here at Progressive Field. Sox Indians all tied up. Adam Plutko comes out here in the top of the seventh inning. He will get another inning of work for the Indians as Leary Garcia takes the first pitch. Change up low in the dirt for ball one. And why not for Plutko? He only pitched 11 pitches in that inning. Sox have been sat down in order in the fifth and sixth innings. They have the bottom of their order up right now, and then it goes Anderson Moncada as a 1-1 pitch is fouled off, and Garcia is quickly 1-2. Plucko stares in at his catcher. The pitch on the way. Outside, ball two, two and 2-2 the count. White Sox have had their chances early, but have not had very many chances here since Plucko got in. As this one is grounded to third base, Ramirez scoops it, throws it across his body for the easy out at first. 5-3, that'll go on your scorecard. And Leary Garcia sat down for one out in the top of the seventh inning. Tim Anderson comes up two for three, hitting 467 here on this young season. He's yet to hit the long ball. You know he's itching to do it. He's been working on his bat flips all offseason, he told me. He actually set up a section down in his basement where he put some padding on the walls and he pretends to hit home runs and practices his flips while his production team videos it so they can put it out on Instagram. That one's a ball, one and one the count. The pitch on the way. Low and inside, ball two, two and one the count to Anderson. Mancada on deck, Abreu behind him with one out in the top of the seventh, 3-3 game. Swung on and missed a high fastball out of the zone, two and two the count. Plutko trying to get the second out in as many batters. This one, he makes contact in the right field, looping in front of the right fielder down the line, and it will fall in for a base hit. And Anderson is three for four, standing on first base, and the White Sox have a base runner for the first time in several innings. And to be honest with you, I think the last time they had a base runner was Tim Anderson. Moncada stands in, the pitch on the way, outside for ball one. One and oh, the count to Yoan Moncada. Tim Anderson's going. The throw down to second base, he is safe under the tag. Head first slide, it's his second stolen base of the game. That was also ball two to Moncada, two and oh, the count as Anderson is now 90 feet closer to being the go-ahead run. The next pitch is swung on and fouled down the first baseline. Two and one, the count to Yoan Moncada. The pitch on the way checks that one, ball three. Three and one, the count. Anderson with a lead at second base. The pitch, Moncada lays down a bunt and he pops it up to the pitcher. He's trying to sacrifice Anderson over. And he pops it. He can't even get the bunt right, this poor young man, early on in the season. He's trying to move over the runner in a close game after Anderson steals second and pops the bunt attempt up in the air. And now there's two outs for Jose Abreu, who chops this one down the line, fouled on the first baseline. It wasn't a bad call. If you think about it, Anderson takes second. Moncada's been struggling. You want him to feel like he's part of the team. You see if he can move the runner along there. You put the bunt on. Or maybe he puts it on himself because he was swinging away until it was 3-1 the count. Tries to catch him off guard there and instead pops it up to Plutko. Outside pitch called a strike that probably wasn't one. 1-2 one the count now to Abreu with two outs and Anderson on second here in the top of the seventh. 
Swung on and belted to third. Nice play by Ramirez from his knees. He gets up, and he will throw out Jose Abreu. The White Sox had something going, it felt like, here in the seventh. An ill-timed bunt attempt. It's 3-3 going to the bottom of the seventh. Sox Indians from Progressive Field. And now here in the bottom of the seventh inning, after a stirring rendition of Take Me Out to the Ball Game on a Monday, weird start time today, too. We've had some shadows at certain times in this game. Steve Shishek steps in. Not a bad day for Gio Gonzalez. A quality start. He pitched six innings, gave up three runs. And Shishek comes in, and he'll get the right fielder, Luplo, and he'll get him on strike one on the outside portion of the plate. Owen won the count. Shishek sets and delivers. And that is a strike. Slider tailing away. Owen to the count. Shishek does not have a big windup. With nobody on, he still just sets his feet and brings it straight to the plate. As that's another slider tailing away, he does not chase this time, one and two. 3-3 game, bottom of the seventh inning. We're currently in the bottom of the Indians order with Jordan Luplow up. It wasn't a bad game by Gio Gonzalez. He's given his team a chance. Sox bats were hot early. They stumbled a little bit out there. I don't blame the bunt. I blame sending uh, Leary Garcia home when you had a chance at a big inning, but you don't know what would have happened next. You don't know if Aloy Jimenez does something there, but it would have been nice to see what he does with the bases loaded and a pitcher on the ropes instead of just giving the Indians that third out on that ill-advised send from third to home on a short fly ball in the right field. Strike three on a tailing fastball. It started on the inside portion of the plate and moved across like somebody was using a joystick. And he sets down his first batter. Shishak looking sharp at least with the first batter that he faces. And that's the first out of the inning. Roberto Perez, who's got a home run in this game, and that's the reason why we're tied, comes up to the plate in a 3-3 tie. Low four-seam fastball, 1-0. Just misses, I think, close to the knees. The ball has a ton of movement when it comes out of Shishek's hands. It, it just squiggles as it comes to the plate. That one there started outside the zone and then comes back inside the zone on an inside portion of the plate slider for a 1-1 count now. He throws the same pitch this time, and they're going to say he went 1-2 the count. So he fooled him on that pitch. 1-2 the count now. Chishek trying to move along through the seventh inning. That one tails away. It's grounded weakly to the pitcher. Over to Abreu for the 1-3 put out, and they'll toss it around the diamond. Two gone. Cesar Hernandez now at the top of the order with two outs comes to the plate. The pitch. Outside sinker, ball one. Righty versus lefty here. Remember, though, relief pitchers have to face three batters or finish the inning. Ground ball, first base. Abreu easily scoops it, steps on the bag, and just continues walking into his own dugout. A 1-2-3 inning for Shishek. We are tied 3-3, going to the top of the eighth here in Cleveland. Let's get some runs. Nick Whitgreen will come into the game for the Cleveland Indians. He's had two games and three innings this year so far. Four strikeouts and a walk. He's not given up a run over those three innings. Lefties have yet to collect a hit against him. Righties are hitting 250 against him in that small sample size. Aloy Jimenez comes to the plate. 0 for 1 with two walks and a run scored. 31 home runs last year in 2019. Three so far in this young season over four games. The first pitch, a four-seam fastball high on the outer part of the plate, and he takes it for strike one. And the second offering is high outside of the strike zone, one and one the count. The Indians 
have announced the attendance tonight on a cold Monday night is 13,742. Not a big crowd out here for this game. They've already had their home opener, though. So now it's like, wow, it's freezing. I'm not going out there tonight. Plus, it had an early start. 5 o'clock local time is when this game started. No real explanation for that. It is a 3-3 game here. 1-2 the count to Jimenez. The pitch on the way. High ball 2. 2-2 two two the count. The White Sox have double barrel action as they try to figure out what they're going to do in the 8th inning. Kelvin Herrera is up along with Jace Fry. Slider inside fouled off down the third base line. Jimenez will come back up to the plate. 2-2 two two the count for pitch number 6 from Whitgreen. And that is inside and high ball 3. Full count to Jimenez. Again, coming into this game is one of the hottest hitters in Major League Baseball through the first three games of the season. And here in game number four, not a hit, but two walks. As he flies this out into the right center field gap, they are on their horses to the wall, and that is gone! That is gone! Aloy Jimenez on a 3-2 pitch. Hits a high-towering shot. The right fielder and the center fielder both moving at it at high speed. They caught up to the ball. The ball just continued to carry. And it hung up there, and it falls just over the wall before it even hits the stands in the gap between the wall and the stands. And the White Sox have a 4-3 lead here in the top of the eighth on the fourth home run of the season in his fourth game of the season by Aloy Jimenez on pace for 162 home runs in 2020 still. And that will tie him now in the major leagues for the most home runs in baseball at four as Yasmani Grandal steps in and it has gotten very quiet here in Cleveland. And now it'll be interesting to see if anything changes out in that bullpen. You did use Aaron Bummer in all three of the first three games. You have used Jimmy Cordero a few times. As this one is flared out in the center field, it will not drop in and it will be caught for the first out of the inning. That's a fly out eight on your scorecard for Yasmani Grandal. One gone in the top of the eighth as James McCann steps in. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to give Herrera a chance in this inning, but he's going to have to face three batters. He was shaky in his first spot. If you look at the way that Bummer has been used and the amount of times Cordero has pitched in the first three days, not everybody is always available to. Colome's there for the ninth, and you could always let Ciszek start off the eighth inning because he looked sharp. So that's a possibility as well. One and two, the count to McCann. Inside fastball, he looks at it for strike three. And there's two outs now. Four to three sacks. As after the Jimenez home run, two outs right away for Grandal, the DH, and McCann, the catcher, as Nomar Mazzara steps up to the plate with two outs here in the top of the eighth inning and swings at a low four-seam fastball for strike one. One for three with a double and a run. Mazzara has been plugging away and has provided... Some good offense for the spot he's hitting in the order. As this one is grounded out into, well, it was grounded the right field. He's thrown out 4-3 because of the shift, which is back on for him. They always know when to shift against that guy. So Mazzara's out 4-3. Got grounded all the way on the right field. The second baseman had plenty of time to move over, field it, and throw to first. But Aloya Menez takes one deep, and the Sox lead 4-3. As we head into the bottom of the eighth inning, Oscar Mercado is up. Steve Shishek will remain in the game with double barrel action still working in the bullpen. And the pitch on the way, and that is a strike on the outside corner on a low four-seam fastball. He looked extremely sharp 
he may not pitch this entire inning, but why not give him an opportunity to take on the first batter? And that one is fouled off down the line by Oscar Mercado. 0-2 the count quickly as Ciszek sets the pitch. That is grounded back to the pitcher. Easy flip over to first base. A 1-3 first out for Steve Ciszek, who is cruising along. Now Francisco Lindor will switch over to the other side. He has had a terrible time in this game. He has had a terrible time in this game hitting from the right side of the plate. And Ricky Renteria wants to keep him on the right side of the plate, so he's going to switch him back over, pull Ciszek from the game, and bring in Jace Fry. And Fry will face Lindor. And the first pitch from Fry is inside for ball one. Kelvin Herrera remains up in the pen, but now it will be three batters before he can come in. But Renteria wanted to get Lindor back over on the other side of the plate because he had looked ugly all game over there. Although Fry is now 2-0 to Francisco Lindor. Fran Mill Reyes and Jose Ramirez are up next. Jace Fry with the pitch. That is a low inside strike for strike one, two and one the count. Sox bullpen has done well to date. That is a swinging strike on a changeup. He was way out in front of it. That is strike number two, two and two the count as Fry fights back. Lindor sets in the batter's box. Fry sets and the pitch. That one was borderline. That could have been strike three. That's a questionable call there. It's letter high. It's hard to get those high strikes, and he didn't get it there. Three and two the count. And the full count pitch on the way from Fry with a 4-3 lead. Swung on and missed on a high cut fastball out of the zone. He gets Lindor to chase. And Francisco Lindor probably would have preferred to hit from the left side of the plate. Ricky Renteria's move has worked out for him, at least with this batter. But Fry now will step in against Fran Mill Reyes, his second batter of the game he must face under the new rules by Major League Baseball. And this one is low and inside for ball one. A single and an RBI for Fran Mill Reyes in the DH spot and the four spot in the lineup. And he would like nothing more than to tie this game up. That pitch is dribbled down the first baseline. One and one the count. Carlos Santana, I'm sorry, is up next. Then we will get to Jose Ramirez. We have a lefty-righty matchup again here. As Fry gets in the ground, Anderson. Anderson turns and throws across his body. And he's safe at first base. T.A. did not get enough on that ball. He makes a nice play and scoops, but he double clutches. And when he gets it over... He misses on Reyes by a half a step, and he is not a fast runner. And to prove that, the line on DeShields Jr. will come in to pinch run for him now. But he was able to beat out a ground ball to the third base side that did not take Anderson into, into the grass. That was not a hard one. It's now a stolen base attempt, and he's safe at second base. And we've got a runner on second with two outs now. That was a strike on the pitch. The line on DeShields steals. He gets right in there and goes on the first pitch. On one the count. Anderson should have been able to make that play, folks. That's what I'm trying to get across to you. He only had to take a couple steps towards third base to make the play. It was the double clutch on the throw. Not enough put on the throw. We've seen that before from him. As This is swung on and missed on an 82-mile-an-hour changeup to Carlos Santana. And Fry, at least, is 0-2 with two outs and a runner on second. The official score is that it's a base hit. But the scorer had to debate on it after the Anderson throw. This one is in the dirt. McCann traps it with his left foot. And the runner stays at second base, one and two the count. 4-3 score, bottom of the eighth, two outs. Fry with the pitch to Santana. Inside, almost hit him on the hip. Two and two the count. This is Fry's third batter. Herrera could come in if needed. The pitch. Swung on and hit in the shallow right center field. Robert on his horse, 
And he makes the play. He did not have to dive, but he dive. He did not have to dive, but he shoestrings that one. And the White Sox are out of the inning on what could have been a single and a run scored. Fry tips his cap to his center fielder. The Sox are out of the eighth inning, up four to three. Dominic Leone will come in for the Indians here in the top of the ninth inning. He gave up a couple of runs in two-thirds of an inning already this year. Alex Colome warming up in the bullpen. He will have the ninth inning for the White Sox. And Luis Robert up at the plate right now in the top of the ninth. As Leone brings a slider on the outside part of the plate that's fouled off 0-1. That last play by Luis Robert. When it came off the bat, as that is a swinging strike, quickly 0-2. When it came off the bat, you felt like that was going to die in front of him. And that was going to be a tie ball game. And he is so fast, and he was playing deep. He comes in and doesn't even need the dive. He just runs to that ball, catches it below his knee. He strikes out here, though. He's probably worn out from that amazing play he made. Strikes out on three pitches, swinging. And there's one out. But he makes a great play to save the run. So it's okay there, Ruck. Go back and get ready to play defense in the ninth. We got a lead. We want to keep it. As Leary Garcia steps in, and he swings at a low outside fastball in the dirt. Ugly pitch, but an uglier swing. Owen won the count to Leary. 279 last year. Quietly hit 279 last year. Didn't feel that way, but he was very productive for the White Sox. And that's why he's one of those players that was always a borderline guy during the rebuild that has found his way as a regular member of this team when it's ready to move on from the rebuild. And he's 2-1 and one right now after two quick outside balls. The pitch on the way. Swung on and chopped the short. Lindor with a one-handed catch and an off-balance throw gets Garcia at first base. There are two gone, and Tim Anderson comes up 3-for-4 with a run scored in this game. He has been the rock up at the top of the lineup, and he will get another chance to bat here in the top of the ninth inning with two outs. The first pitch is outside for a ball, 95-mile-an-hour four-seam fastball. The pitch on the way, low, he takes that for ball two. The way Moncada's been hitting, it almost makes sense to pitch around Anderson here and take your chances with Yuan. But wouldn't it be great if he pitched around him and then Yuan finally figured it out? The man is not going to go over the season. He's going to get it going at some point. The pitch. Outside ball three, and he's clearly pitching around Anderson to get to Yohan Moncada, who has yet to collect a hit here as we sit in the ninth inning of the fourth game of the year. He's got a walk in an RBI. Those are his only positive stats, and I think four strikeouts on the season. I'd have to check that. That's a high pitch called ball four. Anderson tosses the bat back and walks down the first base, and Yohan Moncada comes up. 0 for 3 with the ugly pop-out sacrifice bunt. And you just hope that Yuan can get something going here. The pitch on the way. And that is a strike. Owen won the count. Anderson has stolen twice. He goes here. Hit and run looked like it was on. He is safe at second base. Mancata swung at an outside pitch. He's 0-2. Ricky trying to do anything he can to inspire his two-hole hitter. To get him into the game, he calls the hit and run there. Anderson safe still. Outside pitch taken by Moncada. It's one and two the count with T.A. on second base. 
Anderson has three stolen bases in this game. Three singles, three stolen bases. That was the closest he came to being out, though, as that was more of a hit and run than a, than a straight-up steal. This one's low in the dirt, two and two the count now to Moncada. With a runner on second base, you would love to get that insurance run. Give Alex Colome a little breathing room here in the ninth inning as he is sure to be starting that inning and going for the save to give the White Sox a win here in the opening game of this series. Inside and low, ball three to Moncada. Leon seems to be nibbling now, hoping that Moncada will chase, which makes sense when you're going up against a guy who's been struggling. Abreu on deck, the pitch on the way. Inside, that was close, ball four. Moncada was confident in that at bat, probably the most confident I've seen him early in this season. He took two borderline pitches he did not swing at, and he did not check up on anything that was in the strike zone. He came up with an attitude, and he was able to get on base. So first and second with two outs for Abreu. 4-3 lead for the Sox in the top of the ninth. And Leon is going to have to pitch to him. And that one is cracked down the third baseline fouls. It rolls behind the tarp. Leon resets, and the pitch on the way. Outside, ball one, one and one the count. Like we said before, Colome will start the ninth inning. That's assured. This pitch... Inside fastball, swung through it, one and two the count. Looked like he was looking for a change. And that thing came in a lot faster than he thought it was going to come in. One and two the count. Anderson dancing on second, the pitch. That is high for ball three. Every once in a while, you wonder if an umpire is squeezing a pitcher. If you're an Indians fan right now, you are convinced that the Indians are being squeezed by the home plate umpire. There have been a lot of close ones that have gone the White Sox way as they stay disciplined in there. 2-2 pitch on the way. That one's outside, clearly, and he was not disciplined. I'm going to stop talking because every time I say somebody's doing well, they do the opposite. Abreu strikes out on an outside pitch that would have been ball three. Four to three White Sox lead going to the bottom of the ninth. Alex Colome comes in for a second appearance of the season. He's one for one on save opportunities with an inning in which he pitched the full inning on opening day, struck out two, and remember, he inherited two runners when he came in because they had a three-run lead. So he had to work with two guys on. Both runs that scored were not his as his first pitch is outside for ball one to Jose Ramirez. The second one is inside ball two on a cut fastball. Both of those were close. Umpire strike zone has gotten a lot smaller here late in the game. The pitch on the way. That is outside ball three. It is clear that the umpire strike zone has gotten smaller for both teams here late in the game. You have to throw that in the box. And you have to get it clearly inside of the box. As this one is lifted deep. And this is going to be a tie ball game. Jose Ramirez looks up. He took a low fastball inside of his knees and turned on it. He hits his second home run of the season. And we are all tied up here in the bottom of the ninth. Alex Colome gives up a solo shot to the first batter that he faces. And now the White Sox can only hope for extra innings. And that is disappointing. The way this team has battled today. The place is alive here in Cleveland. They're excited. I'm not excited. He takes that one out to left center field. It was a no-doubter. And the way he turned on a pitch that was an, a, just a tough pitch to hit. And he skies this one 470, 417 feet into the air. And uh, Alex Colome's got to reset now and be the guy that keeps the team in the game. 
as his first pitch swung through by Domingo Santana, who's 0 for 3 with a strikeout in the sixth, and it's 0 and 1 the count. So Colome blows the save. And now all he can hope for here is just keeping his team in the game, giving them an opportunity to win this in the later innings. The pitch outside, ball two, two and one the count. He's going to get this inning. He's the closer. Nobody's up for the sacks here. Is that is swung on, two and two the count. I was thinking we were almost done here, folks. Now you're hoping for a longer game. Cut fastball down the middle, strike three. Colome pumps his fist a little. He needs to get his uh, confidence back after that home run. This place was already pretty much empty with 13,000 fans in attendance. And I think 3,000 of them left before the ninth inning started. They're probably in their cars regretting it. But about 10K are going to sit here and watch what happens in the end of this ninth inning and hopefully an extra innings when our White Sox will get a run and be able to get out of the bottom of an inning after getting a lead and hopefully come away with the win still. Tyler Naquin is going to pinch hit, and he's going to take the first pitch up the middle on a ground ball, and he's on first base. So the winning run stands on first base with one out in the bottom of the ninth inning. We want to bring you all wins here as Saxon in the Basement brings you a simulated season brought to you by Cork and Carey at the park. We want all positive vibes as Bradley Zimmer comes in. Now the pinch run. They are really using up the bench to try to win this thing. And Roberto Perez comes to the plate already with a home run. But we can't guarantee the endings of these games. The Sacks have to come, up, come alive here and hand Cleveland their first loss of the season, which they are making very difficult as that is a strike low at the knees, cut fastball, own one the count. Zimmer is a threat to go, but he's not an automatic. Takes a big lead there as that changeoff is fouled off. Changeup is fouled off, 0-2 the count. Colome sets, looks at the runner, the pitch on the way, outside swinging at a cut fastball out of the zone. He dragged him across the plate, and Colome gets the next guy. So two strikeouts after he gives up the tying home run to Jose Ramirez. And in the middle of those two strikeouts, of course, the single that has Zimmer, the pinch runner now standing on first base, as the winning run, if he can be brought around, Cesar Hernandez stands up top of the order again for the Indians. And this is grounded to Abreu. It goes off his glove and down to the corner in right field. Zimmer is on his way to third. The ball comes into the relay man. Throw over to second to try to get the runner. He cannot get him. Hernandez is in for a double. It was risky for him to go to second because it doesn't matter what happens to him if Zimmer can score. Zimmer stands on third, 90 feet away as Oscar Mercado comes up, one for four with a double and a run. And Colome needs to settle. He needs to settle down now. Because a hit here wins the game for the Indians in walk-off fashion. 90-mile-an-hour cut fastball outside for ball one. The pitch by Colome. That's an inside fastball call for a strike. One and one the count. Mercado's ready. Waving the bat a little bit. Pitch on the way. Pops an outside pitch down the first base line. Abreu giving chase and foul territory and comes up just short of getting out of this inning. One and two the count as that gets just over his outreach glove. The next pitch is low for a 2-2 count. Two and two the count. Palome sets the pitch. And that is fouled off down the first base line. Lindor is up next if Mercado were to reach base on a walk. The pitch from Colome. That is popped straight up into the air. McCann 
catches it behind the plate, and the Sox avoid disaster. They do have some trouble, though. Tie game, top of the 10th inning. White Sox, Indians, tied at four. Jimenez will lead it off. Bradley Zimmer moves the right field now as the Indians did a lot of substitutions over the last couple innings to get to this point. Hunter Wood will come in. This is his first appearance of the year. He had a 1.28 whip over 36 games and 45 innings last year. A 1-1 one one record, and he did get a save on one opportunity. Aloy Jimenez steps in, 1-2, for two, with two walks and a home run in the eighth inning that gave the Sox the lead. Kelvin Herrera is up for the White Sox in the bullpen here in the top of the 10th. The pitch from Wood is inside. 93-mile-an-hour four-seam fastball for ball one. White Sox had this one, and then their closer came in and immediately gave up a bomb to the first batter he faced in Jose Ramirez. And then almost gave up the game. Had to pitch out of a jam to get the Sox through the ninth inning, and you doubt that he'll be back for the 10th. And this is where the White Sox bullpen gets tested. Aaron Bummer has had three appearances in the first three games of the season. Jimmy Cordero has pitched four innings over the first three games of the season. It's unlikely either one of them are available. And if that's the case, you've got Carson Fulmer, Kelvin Herrera, Evan Marshall as your options out there with Herrera warming up. 2-1 count now to Aloy Jimenez in the top of the 10th. That pitch is inside, 3-1. Aloy has four home runs in four games. It's hard to ask for a fifth, but can we please... The pitch inside swung on. He goes down to a knee and flies this one deep down the third baseline foul. He was trying. 3-2 count. The pitch on the way. Fouls that one off down the first baseline. He's been a tough at bat for every pitcher that has faced him this season. The pitch. And he fouls that one off the plate and back to the backstop. 3-2 the count. The pitch on the way. And he fouls off another one. Good at bat here for Jimenez. Eight pitches this at bat as he fights one off inside. Three and two the count. The pitch from Wood. And he grounds this one to first base. Ramirez scoops and throws. And they will get him by about a step and a half for the first out on the 5-3 putout. Oliver Perez warming up in the Indians bullpen right now as Yasmani Grandal steps to the plate in the designated hitter role. The pitch from Wood... He's high and outside for ball one. Sox still have their complement of players on the bench. So they do have some options if they need a pinch hitter. But right now, there isn't a reason to upset the apple cart. As this one is lifted into left center field, it's going to hang up there long enough to be caught near the track. And that is a long flyout for Yasmani Grandal. You could hear, if you were listening very closely, the gasp from the crowd because it looked like it was hit a lot harder than it was actually hit. And James McCann steps up to the plate, trying to get something going here with two outs in the 10th as he rips this one, and it will drop just in front of the left fielder who will bobble the ball but keep it in front of him. So a two-out base hit from McCann as he rips a liner in the left that dropped real quick. And I feel like that outfielder thought he had a play and almost overran it, which would have been big for the Sox as Nomar Mazara steps up now with a runner on first and two gone. And he is quickly 0-1 with a ball fouled off towards his own dugout. 
Mazzara's one for four with a double and a run. He's never had more than two hits in any one of the four games he's played in so far. The pitch. Outside corner, and that is a strike. And I'll be honest with you, if we were getting that pitch in the ninth inning, Ramirez might not have been able to hit that home run that tied the game. 0-2 the count. That one is low. Call the ball 1-2. Everybody got squeezed in the ninth. It was both teams, but now it seems like that squeezing is over here in the tenth inning. Umpire realized he might have to work overtime and not get paid extra. 2-2 two two the count on an inside cut fastball. Mazzaro trying to move McCann over. Be nice if he could get a hold of one right now. He is a power hitter. He has some pop to his bat. They're trying to unleash more pop as he fouls that one off. Two and two still the count. As the pitch is on the way. That is grounded off. They've made wood work here. He's got two outs, but he's thrown 18 pitches in an inning of relief so far. Runner on first takes a lead, and that is fouled off as well. So White Sox hitters are making this pitcher work, but they need a few more of them to get down for hits here in fair territory. The pitch on the way, swung on and chopped to Lindor. He will handle it on two hops, throws it in the dirt, but it's nicely picked by Santana, who shows it to the ump, and the out is called, and the Sox go down in the 10th inning. We go to the bottom of the 10th, where Lindor will lead it off for the Cleveland Indians, tied at four in extras. It'll be Kevin Herrera's inning as he walks out here after giving up a run over one inning already in his first appearance. You can't have that here or this game would be over. And he will face Francisco Lindor, the three, four, five batters in the order here in the 10th inning. Lindor is only one for six with a strikeout all time against Herrera, but he finally gets to move over and bat from the left side of the plate for the first time all game. He had not done well from the right side of the plate. This one is outside, catches the corner, 0-2 here in the bottom of the 10th inning. Sox trying to get the first game of this three-game series, which started early but is going to end on time and push us to our longest broadcast so far because we've gone extras. This one is chopped, and it's chopped into a shift on Lindor to the second base side, to the right side of second base, where Tim Anderson is there on a shift on the other side of the bag he scoops it and throws him out at first base and there's one gone and now the first pitch is inside for ball one Fran Mill Reyes is out of the game the Lionel DeShields Jr. who was brought in as a pinch runner but never made it across the plate is now in the four spot but he gives this one a ride into the right center field gap and that is off the wall he's already rounding second there's going to be a play at third and he is safe under the tag. That is incredible. The Shields comes in as a pinch runner. Steals a bag and puts pressure on the White Sox. Then he comes up in the four spot. And hits a rocket in the right center field. And turns it into a triple with his blazing speed. And he's 90 feet away with one out here in the bottom of the 10th inning for Carlos Santana. And the White Sox are going to intentionally walk Santana to first base. And they will also intentionally walk Jose Ramirez with one out here and the winning run on third base to load the bases up and give them an opportunity for a double play and get through the two most dangerous hitters in this order and get to Domingo Santana, who's 0 for 4 with a strikeout in the ninth inning and hit into a double play earlier. So it's good strategy if it works out 
But you take the bat out of the hands of Santana and Ramirez here in the bottom of the 10th inning and load the bases up with one out. Herrera will get to the bottom of the order here and hopefully get out of this inning. The pitch on the way. That is swung on for a base hit over the head of Anderson on the first pitch. And the Indians will walk it off. Kelvin Herrera gives up another run. Two appearances, and he's given up runs right now and not looking very good. The Indians swarm each other at home plate, and the White Sox will lose this one and drop the 2-2. Two and two. The Indians going to 4-0. and oh. And you can't blame Gio Gonzalez. He gives you a quality start, six innings. And you can't blame Aloy Jimenez because that man it just keeps hitting rockets and scaring pitchers and making plays. You can question... The odd decision to send Leary Garcia. And you can always look at a guy like Alex Colome and wonder why as the closer he came in and, and made a pitch that was given up for a bomb that tied this thing. But in reality, there were some unsung heroes here. Delino DeShields Jr. with the bomb in the right center field that he puts off the wall and goes for three, beating the tag with aggressive base running, put the White Sox in an untenable position. And even though they walked the two best hitters of the day and two of the best hitters in the lineup for the Indians to get to somebody lower, right away that guy makes you pay on the first pitch. And the Indians win this game. 5-4 to four in the 10th inning. The Sox had the lead going into the ninth. They blow it. They are 2-2 two and two on the season. We will see you tomorrow for game two of Sox-Indians from Progressive Field. Reynaldo Lopez takes the mound. You have been listening to a White Sox simulated season brought to you by Cork and Carry at the Park. Thank you for listening to White Sox simulated baseball from Sox in the Basement, found everywhere podcasts can be found, and always at SoxInTheBasement.com. Bye-bye, everybody. Sox in the Basement. Sox in the Basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on socksinthebasement.com.